about time for us to begin tonight. The people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Uh, we see that Jesus calls himself the I Am directly in chapter 8 and verse 24, chapter 8 and verse 28, chapter 8 and verse 58. Um, and they grasp what he's saying here. Let's read verses 58 and 59. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now chapter 9 and verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by. Now that phrase is the same in English in the New King James Version. I'll have you know in Greek it's the same word in a slightly different tense, but it's the same phrase. As Jesus passed by, he passed by them. Now as Jesus passed by, chapter 9 and verse 1, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Now there's two possibilities here. Um, both of them leave us in the same context. Now either this is the same day, same occasion, Jesus passes by them in the temple, and most people went to the temple to beg. If you were going to beg, it makes sense to go to the temple. That's where most people were, and that's where people would be the most receptive to begging, right? People who had just come to worship God, maybe they'd had their sins forgiven, and so they felt like they need to help other people as they're called to do by God, right? Um, so it's likely that that's the case. But even if this was a few days later or whatever the case might be, John connects these two accounts to, to make them go together. He says, this is all ultimately talking about the same thing. Now, if we continue on to chapter 10 uh, and go to the end of chapter 10, uh, in verse 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Uh, well, that's what they had just done at the end of chapter 8, right? Uh, and then in verse 39, Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. Then in verse 40, And he went away again beyond the Jordan to a place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. So if you look closely in the text from chapter 8 and verse 1, all the way through chapter 10 and verse 40, this is our first location change from Jerusalem and the area that surrounds the temple. Uh, I say all of that to say this. Three times in chapter 8, he just says, I am, identifies himself as the I am directly. He says in chapter 8 and verse 11, and chapter 9 and verse 5, I am the light of the world. He says in chapter 10 and verse 7, and chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. And then in chapter 10 and verse 11, in chapter 10 and verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. So we see three times he refers to himself as the I am. And then he uses three different metaphorical statements, I am this, all in this same single context from the beginning of chapter 8 to the end of chapter 10. Uh, if we're going to understand these statements and all of their complexity, and uh, all of their richness, and all of their depth, we need to see them in the context in which these things were said. Uh, we could certainly do a class where we just go get up here and we say, I am the light of the world. 
We understand the concept of light and darkness, and we would get a lot out of that. We could say, I am the bread of life, and we could talk about that and leave out the fact that he just fed 5,000, and we could get something out of that. But seeing these statements in the context in which John wrote them uh, is very helpful to us in seeing the full complexity of what they communicate to us. So, with that in mind, I know it's been a couple of weeks because we had our singing Wednesday in between. We talked last time about that statement, I am the light of the world. Um, And it kind of bookends, we see in chapter 8 and verse 12 he says that, and then chapter 9 and verse 5 he says that. And it kind of bookends this discussion, this dispute, this argument or debate that Jesus has with the scribes and Pharisees. And we talked about how Jesus' discussion with the Pharisees in chapter 8 showed their what? Showed the Pharisees what? Um, Now, that's two weeks ago. I'm I'm really trying to drag something out, so let me give you some clues before we we answer that. They had a lot of questions in chapter 8. We read every question that they asked relatively quickly. We didn't read the whole chapter. They had questions about who Jesus was about the things that Jesus was saying. They had questions about what Jesus was going to do. They had questions about where Jesus was from. They had the questions about the circumstances of his heritage and upbringing. They had questions about why he said what he said. They even had questions about how old Jesus was. Did they get any of it? In all of the questions that they asked, did they understand any of it? No. So chapter 8 serves to illustrate in a straightforward way. They're asking questions, Jesus is answering. It shows, it shows their what? I'm not looking for one specific word. Put it in your own words. Their lack of understanding is a great way to put it. Their uh, misunderstanding, we might say, right? Would you put it any other ways? They are blindness. Certainly, if we look ahead to chapter 9, that's what we would say, right? Their blindness to the things that Jesus was trying to express to them. Their darkness might be another way we might put that. The only thing they really understood, and this they only understood partially, is what he says in verse 58. And Jesus said to them, chapter 8 and verse 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to throw at him, because in their mind that was blasphemous. They understood that he was claiming to put himself on the same level as God, that he was claiming to be God. Okay, so then Jesus heals the man that was born blind in chapter 9, as a contrast, right? A contrast to their blindness, he's going to heal somebody that was born blind. And the Pharisees reject this miracle. And then this is what happens after that. So we're all caught up together on what we studied a couple of weeks ago. Let's look there in verse 35. He heals the man born blind. The Pharisees question this man. They tell him that Jesus isn't really who he claimed to be. Uh, That man rejects them and he says, hey, I I don't know much, but I know I was blind and now I can see. And they put him out. So in verse 35, Jesus heard 
that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see. And those who see, we might read that, those who think they see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. I have a question for you. It's pretty clear from the beginning of this account at the start of chapter 9 that the man born blind never saw Jesus. When Jesus approaches him at the end of the chapter, how did he know to call him Lord? Never thought about that. Jesus finds him and he says, do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He knew the name of Jesus, but he had never seen him before. And Jesus approaches him and asks him this question, and he recognizes that this is the same man who healed him of his blindness. How? How did he know? In his blindness, his hearing was probably keener than ours. He picked up one. I think you're exactly right. He heard his voice. And he recognized that voice, the voice of the one who saved him. Yes, sir. ESP says, sir, Okay. It's still a sign of respect, right? Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? That's not a question or response that he's going to say. Uh, it's not... Maybe I should clarify this. It's not all capital Lord, right? It's not Yahweh, uh, Tetragrammaton, or whatever people call it, right? It's not the name of God, but it is a sign of respect to someone who is his superior. He says, who is he that I might believe in him? And you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Lord, I believe, and then he does something. What does he do? He worships him. Um, is this something that he should have done if Jesus was just some man? Even a great man, even a prophet. No. And uh, obviously Jesus doesn't correct him in this worship. There's an understanding here. And I, and I think it was because he heard his voice. So there's a theme that undergirds this. Obviously the main image is, is blindness to sight. But there's also this theme of hearing. And you say, well, maybe, maybe you're stretching a little bit, Reagan. Keep reading with me in chapter 10, okay? Most assuredly, I say to you, uh, this is the same occasion. I don't know why there's a chapter division here. Jesus uses a different illustration. That's the only thing I can get up, think of. This is the same. He's just continuing on with the same audience, same conversation. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. 
And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. They didn't understand them. But Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Um, Now we'll come back to these verses in more detail tonight and then also next week. But for now, let's just notice this. The blind man, he didn't see. He didn't see physically. He understood that he didn't see spiritually, right? He says, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? But he could hear. He could listen, and he did listen. He listened physically, and he listened spiritually, and that's the reason why his eyes were opened, because he was willing to listen. He was willing to hear. Uh, Go back to the beginning of John chapter 9. Jesus has this little exchange with his disciples in the first four verses, and then he says in verse 5, as we studied last time, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, and he made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. He couldn't see until he went and washed and came back. But what could he do? He could hear. And he could obey. Uh, This is one of the best illustrations of grace in the whole New Testament. Uh, Jesus gives this man the most precious physical gift he could possibly give him. You think about a man uh, in these times, in ancient times, and he's forced to beg at a gate because he can't see, dependent on the charity of others. Uh, And obviously this was not in a time where there were laws in place for for those who were handicapped in in ways such as this. Um, And so his existence would have been very difficult. And so Jesus puts mud on his eyes, and he tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Um, I've walked the steps from the Temple Mount down to the Pool of Siloam. Uh, Those steps have been preserved because actually they built on top of them and it was a sewer for a while uh, through the Middle Ages. And then they discovered these steps and they realized they're the where they connected. They said, well, these are steps that date back to the first century. And so you can walk down hundreds of steps from the Temple Mount down to what they've discovered just... uh, a couple of decades ago, is the Pool of Siloam. Uh, In ancient times, that would have been a busy thoroughfare. Lots of people, lots of noise, lots of animals. And you think about the trek that a blind man would have had to go through to get down those hundreds of steps and go wash in that pool of Siloam called Sin. And imagine the jubilation Um, when he puts water on his eyes and he opens for the first time. 
what greater physical gift could Jesus give this man than his sight? Could this man have done it for himself? Could he have given his own sight to himself? Let me, let me hear your head rattle. Let's, let's go ahead and make this explicit. Could he have healed himself? No. Did he have to do anything in order to be healed? He had to, he had to, he had to go. He had to go and wash. Did he earn his sight? Did he earn his sight by going, now it's tough. You know, that's that something he had to do, but... He, he, oh man, I, I did it. Oh, I did it. Did he have any reason to boast about his works? You know, the people start questioning him and he's like, well, you know, that Jesus guy, he did some, But you know what? I, I walked down all those steps down to the pool of Siloam and that's why I see. And yet, if he had not obeyed, Would he have been healed? The text is so beautiful here. It's so understated and yet so powerful. He went and washed and he came back seeing. His life was totally changed over that one sentence. Ed? Might be a thought, or you might pick up a sermon. I don't know, but do you suppose? Well, tell me after class. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just go ahead. Go ahead. Do you suppose he had any thoughts of turning aside on his way to the Buddhist loan? You know, we on his way to Mar, you know, or whatever. Uh, we, we aren't even we aren't even sure how much Jesus told him. I mean, look at the text. He just said, "Go watch the pool salon." I mean, you would think that he would have—he would have been anxious, anxious to see, you know—and and then once he like, to see they could work. Right? Yeah, to see if if Jesus said you're going to see after you do this, right? He would be very anxious about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, and that's what we see, right? He comes back um, on this occasion. Um, why did he come back? There's a little bit of supposition here. Why, why did he come back? He went and watched and he came back seeing. Why? Why would Put yourself in his shoes. Why would you come back? I mean, would you come back? Yeah, would you come back? You know, oh, I can see. All right, I'm going to go about my life, you know. I mean, why would you come back? You're curious? Yeah, okay. Somebody can heal my sight. I'm... I want to know more about this. What else? Thankful. There's some gratitude, right? So he's more like the one leper and not the nine on another occasion where Jesus heals somebody, right? Some gratitude for sure. What else? Yeah, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've got to share this with others, right? I have to, I have to tell other people about what's happened to me, right? Um, and we kind of see that pretty clearly in the text, right? Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Well, why did they even notice him? Uh, probably because he was making some sort of deal about this. And some said, This is he. Others says, He is like him. He said, I am he. It's me. 
Yeah, it's me. Okay? So he wants to share that with others. What else? Uh, how does he identify Jesus when the Pharisees ask him, well, who do you think this dude is? That's the new East Texas version. He said, I don't know, but I think he might be what? That's there. Okay, he knows it's a man named Jesus. Uh, might be a prophet. Yeah, it might be a prophet. Well, if he thinks he might be a prophet, why would he come back? What would a prophet do? We think about prophets, and you don't because you're good Bible students. We've talked about this. But a lot of people think about prophets are just, they tell the future. And that's a very small part of what they do. What were prophets? What were they really? We would call them what? Messengers, right. They had a message from whom? From God. A message from God, right? So he's confirming that what he's saying is really from God because he's working this miracle. Well, what does he have to say? I want to hear what it is he has to say. You know, I think when it gets right down to it, he was looking for Jesus. And he was looking for Jesus for all of these reasons. Curiosity and gratitude and wanting to hear what he had to say and, and all of those sorts of things. Uh, he saw physically, but now he's seeking more than just his physical sight. Now, the contrast is with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they think that they see, they think that they hear and perceive, but they do not. Um, and they had this, this spiritual blindness and uh, deafness. The spiritually blind and deaf. That's what we see with the Pharisees. And, and what we see is a, a great example of what those who do not see, those who refuse to see, those who think they see but do not, those who do not hear or listen, uh, we see what that looks like. Um, we saw it in chapter 8, but just kind of in an exchange with Jesus, now we see uh, all of the specifics that go with that. Um, and so we didn't read these verses a couple of weeks ago. I want to read some of them now. Notice the spiritually blind and deaf, they look for reasons to reject the truth. So they call this guy to him, um, and they did not believe, verse 18, concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees? We do not know. Or who opened his eyes? We do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. I've always thought that was really cold, man. Like, your child has been blind since birth, and now they can see, and you're just like, I don't know. I, I know nothing. I saw nothing. I hear nothing. You ask him. Um, let's keep reading. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Um, I think sometimes we can be like that. The truth is right there in front of us and we don't like it. Maybe we've already decided, like they had already decided, anybody who believes in him is going to be put out. We've already decided that ahead of time, and so we don't really give it a good listen. Um, and sometimes we need to reject 
traditional thinking. Uh, but what, what's the motivation behind searching for the truth? Or searching at all? Um, we see this same strategy of looking re- for reasons to reject the truth applied to everything from moral issues like premarital sex and adultery and divorce for any cause and homosexuality and social drinking to, to worship issues like instrumental music or women preachers or partaking of the Lord's Supper on Saturday or turning the worship into entertainment or, or excuse-making for positive Christianity. Well, this is why I don't help the poor or evangelize my neighbor or I'm a jerk in business uh, is because of these reasons. And, and we need to be careful when we aren't looking for a reason to reject the truth so that then we can do what we want. And I can't make that accusation. I can't see into the hearts of people, but we need to look into our own hearts and make sure that we don't have blind spots to say, well, this might be the truth, but but is there some way around it? I mean, surely there's an explanation so that I can do what it is that I want to do. Are we looking for reasons to reject the truth? And if we are, then we're probably going to be prejudicial about those things. So again, they called the man who was blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. (laughs) Um, Truth is truth, no matter who says it. Why did they not accept the miracle of Jesus? They didn't want to see it. That's true, but why did they reject it? If one of the Pharisees had healed somebody born blind, what would they have done? Celebrate. Throughout all Jerusalem, their celebration would have been would have been heard. So why did they not celebrate this miracle? It's because it was Jesus. They didn't want to believe that Jesus was who he was. It was a threat to them. And so they were prejudiced against the source, the source of that miracle. Um, and, and we need to make sure that we don't fall into the same boat, that we reject truth because we're prejudiced against the source of that truth. And maybe you've been in that situation like, like me, and somebody comes to you and uh, they... Maybe it's something that you're doing in your life and you may not like them or care about them or respect them. Uh, You may struggle to love them like they should, but if they tell me the truth, then I need to look at that objectively and accept it. Um, Of course, we see this prejudice toward toward us sometimes. I had a conversation just a couple of weeks ago with somebody, uh, and it was folks that they're around a, a great deal, and the name Church of Christ... Anything associated with that, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear anything about that. Well, that's just prejudicial, isn't it? Truth is truth. And and instead of maybe looking at others, uh, that's really bothersome to me, but I need to make sure I don't do the same thing. I need to listen and consider before accepting or rejecting um, because the truth belongs to us no matter who has it, as Harold Hancock uh, sometimes says. Um, Another thing that sometimes happens is the spiritually blind and deaf hear only what they want to hear. Uh, Keep reading in verse 26. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. You hear that? There's that 
theme of hearing that came up again. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this guy, right? He's on fire uh, because of what's happened in his life. Um, And he hits them right where it hurts there. Verse 28, they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this man, we do not know where he is from. Um, Now, we need to be careful not to have selective hearing. They had already heard the truth on this matter, but they're coming back to it again because they didn't like the answer that they heard. Uh, We need to make personal application, even if it's something that's difficult to hear. Um, Ultimately, they dismiss what they cannot explain or will not accept. Uh, The man answered and said to them, This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He, God, hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who has been born blind. And if this man was not from God, he could do nothing. Uh, There are a couple of places in Scripture that talk about how God is going to be the one to open the eyes of the blind. Um, We studied from Exodus I think it's Exodus 4 where Moses is making his excuses um, and it says that um, one of the Psalms, Psalm 148, I'm pretty sure, uh, says that, that God, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Uh, there's, there are prophecies in Isaiah about the Messiah opening the eyes of the blind. Um, and this guy, uh, who's just a commoner, right? It's like he knows, he knows his Old Testament better than these teachers do. Because they didn't want to accept the truth. And so ultimately what they do, verse 34, they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. If it goes through all of this and still you can't reject the truth, then attack the messenger instead of the message. Um, That's what they were doing. We need to make sure it's not what we do. Am I listening to the truth, period, no matter what? No matter who it comes from, no matter what I want to hear. Uh, and I know I, I don't always do that like I should, but, but I try to maintain that attitude. That's my goal. But the chips fall where they may. And we need to ask the question that they ask in verse 40. Are we blind also? I need to ask that of myself. Am I blind also? Well, who can give me sight? I need to ask the kindergarten class that, right? Who can give me sight? Jesus can. He can open my eyes. He can open my ears so that I might see and hear. We know the ultimate source of truth and sight and salvation is Jesus. Okay, thoughts or comments there before we, uh, we have six minutes? Yes, sir. I think we need to look at Ray and Esteem in verse 29. How did they know that God spoke to Moses? By faith. The only way they would know that. They didn't see it. They didn't know it. They claim that they are disciples of Moses. That's an error. So why would they choose that rather than be disciples of God as left by Moses? They've narrowly focused themselves. We need to be careful. We don't narrowly focus ourselves, but we keep a broad look 
and what God expects. We don't define what he has, we don't narrow it, and we don't broaden it. Yeah, we're, we're disciples of God, right? We're followers of, of Christ. Um, and that's exactly that idea of followers. That's what a disciple is, right? A follower is exactly what we're going to see in chapter 10. Okay, so here's what I want us to do. Uh, again, we're going to talk about the door and the good shepherd next week. And this is all kind of goes with that. But I, I want us to read chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Uh, but here's the way I want to do it. Uh, if you choose to close your eyes, you may. But I want you to listen to this voice as this voice reads and see if you can identify who the voice is. Uh, now listen to what the voice says, but also think, okay, can I identify this voice? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things that he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill, to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Okay, uh, raise your hand if you know that voice. If you're visiting with us, I'm sorry. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. If you're online, maybe you do recognize. That's whose voice? Harold's. How do you know? Just re You've heard it? Heard it quite a few. Ted's heard it a lot of times, right? Um, it's a familiar voice. It's a trusted voice. Um, animals know the voice that calls to them. They can hear tone also, right? Um, when it's a trusted master, that animal hears and comes. I think about my granddad and his cattle. Um, we're not going to do that to the microphone. Here we go. Come on! Come on! Come on! And here they come. <laughs> Dozens of head of cattle just coming like crazy because he's calling them. And they know his voice. Now, I don't know sheep. I haven't been around sheep. I've read about sheep, right? But it's the same concept. He says, my sheep know my voice. They hear and they come. Um, how much more human beings to the voice of your father? The whisper of your spouse. The cry of your child. Who in here can recognize their child's cry in the midst of other children? Yeah, right? Uh... How is it that your child can hear you on the basketball court when everybody else is screaming? I remember playing ball, 
And I remember I'd be doing something. If I messed up in some way, I could hear my dad's voice. Reagan! You know, where is he? Where? Because we recognize the voice, right? Especially if it's one that we love and trust. And so Jesus is saying here we must hear his voice. And those who hear his voice, what do they do? They obey it. With the image of a shepherd, the shepherd calls to the sheep, and what do the sheep do? They follow after him. Um, and that's the whole idea of being a disciple, right? Uh, they know his voice and they follow after him. Um, because, because they're his sheep. Well, who are we? We're the sheep of the shepherd. Um, he's the door and he comes in and they hear his voice. And Jesus uses a couple of metaphors here using shepherd imagery. Um, and we'll talk about that more next week. Uh, well, we'll talk about that more next week. We're, we're out of time. Uh, here's what I want you to do for next week, though. I want you to think about these images. And starting next week, I'm going to add one other piece to our studies on Wednesday night. Um, this idea. Jesus says, I am this. I want us to ask the question, are we? And, and really, what, what are we, right? If Jesus is the light of the world, what are we? We talked about this one last, last time. We too are the light. We're the reflection of him. Well, if Jesus is the bread of life, then what does that mean for us? Who should we be? What should we be? How do we respond? If Jesus is the door, then who are we and what should we be? Uh, if Jesus is the good shepherd, who are we and what should we be? And let's talk about that in some very specific and practical ways next time. All right, thank you for your good attention, even a couple of minutes past the bell. Thanks.